So we this morning continuing in our study in the book of Peter. I want you to open up, if you've got a Bible here, in 1 Peter. And we are still within the first 16 verses. I told you a few weeks ago we're going to spend time here, isn't it, Brad? And is it so deep or what? We've learned about the living hope. The living hope. Who is glad about the living hope? Yes. And last week we saw various trials. And uh, believe you me, trials is happening in your lives. That's true, isn't it? So I want us to open up in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read again from verse 3. I know we've covered this before, but I do not want to get out of context. The key for us to listen to sermons and to preach is to keep it in context. We don't want to take the word out of context because then we are walking in error. So I want to read for you 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He has caused us to be born again, to be begotten again. This is the English Standard Version. The New, New King James says the same. And it says, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The living hope. The key for me, and have you noticed that it is one word right through, there's commas in here, which keeps on going on until it comes to the full stop. But the key in this is the living hope. And he talks about our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is talking? Who is saying that? This is Peter saying that. And he says, our. Talks about children of God. He is our Lord in Christ. And then he says, we have that living hope. The world don't have a living hope. Or they, they have a living hope but they don't believe in the living hope. And this is such a wonderful statement. And again, we can go into this and pull a few things apart. I always remind myself when this letter was sent to all of those people in the diaspora who was in Pontus, Galatia, and Cappadocia, when this was sent to them, and one man stood up there and he read the whole letter to them, I always remind myself that that letter read to them will mean to everyone something different. I read those words to you and it will mean something different for Kylie than it means for me. It just depends where you are in your state of life. But it will speak to you. Somebody might sit there and say, wow, to be born again, that is so wonderful. Somebody else say, the living hope means so much for me. And then somebody else might say, just to know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that gives me hope. The Bible is for us all, and it speaks to us where we are. You can't put it in a box. And then in verse 6, it says, in this you rejoice Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, 
You love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Somebody say hallelujah. How wonderful is it to hear those words when the apostles write it to these people who were dispersed, to these people who were persecuted, and they hear these words from God through, their, through the apostles written to them. And then he says further on there, he says concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, search and inquire carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look who are looking now. Let's thank the Lord for His Word. Father, though I say nothing now, Lord, I thank You that Your Word has been read in public, in this environment. I pray now, Lord, that You will touch my mind, touch my words, Father. Speak Your words, Father. Speak to me this morning, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The public reading of the Lord's Word. Now, uh, I do preach out of the New King James Version, and I took the English Standard Version for this. This is not the New Translation. I, don't, I won't preach for you out of the New Translation, but this is closest to the original Scriptures as it is, the New King James and the King James. But I want to talk to you this morning about the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation. Have you got joy? Do you know what salvation is? You know, this is a wonderful thing to have and to understand. And we know that those who know the Lord, and those who walk with the Lord, those who put their trust in the Lord, experience this joy. Are you experiencing this joy? The joy that surpasses all understanding, the joy of salvation. It is something that is not preached that much these days anymore. Because people don't want to hear that we are lost and we need a Savior. People say we are good in ourselves. And that spirit of the world is moving into the church. It's all about us. But it's not. It's all about Him. It's about Him saving us. And this is what I want to talk to you about. In Psalm chapter 4 verse 7, listen how the psalmist put this. He says, You have put gladness in my heart. Lord, you have put gladness in my heart. Do you have gladness in your heart? Who put the gladness there? Come on, you tell me. It's on the board there. He put the gladness in their hearts. He says, you have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lay down in peace and sleep for you alone O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I love this part. Because you see, it talks about peace and sleep. How did you sleep last night? Not all at once now, but how did you sleep last night? Who knows that sleep is good for you? 
if you have a good rest, you have a good day. It's just a small thing which is true. And you know here the psalmist say, because of the gladness that the Lord put into his heart, which is more than the seasons and the grain and the increase, but you see, these days people are more looking for these things, the grain and the wine increase. They are looking for prosperity more than they look for grace and peace and the peace of God. And you know what gives you sleep? The peace of God. He says, I will both lay down in peace and in sleep. Last night when you went to bed and you laid your head upon the pillow, were you at peace? Or was your head still running? You know what will happen? If you go like that to bed, you won't have a good night's rest. Is it only me or am I talking to real people here? The psalmist knew all about this. And how wonderful is it that he wrote about this to you and me? But he says, you have put gladness in my heart. My friend, God's gladness brings to you and to me peace, and it brings to you and to me sleep. There's a good recipe out there. You'll find this. You won't find this in two books out there, isn't it? Self-help books. Look at this one, Psalm 5, verse 11. He says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. What is the key here? What is the key of rejoicing here? If you put your trust in who? In God. In Him. How do you find the gladness in your heart when you put your trust in Him? And when you put your trust in Him, what happens? He gives you the gladness in your heart to give you peace and sleep. He says right there, I love it so much, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. My friend, my brother, my sister, madam, sir, whatever you want to be called this morning, have you got joy in your heart this morning? That's the question. And I'm not talking about happiness. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is with your circumstances around you. Everything is going well. I've had a good meal. I'm fed. I've got money in my pocket. I'm happy, happy, happy. But what happens in a few hours? You're hungry again. Your stomach starts growling. I need food. And if you haven't got money in your pocket, you can't buy food to satisfy your stomach and garnish your happiness. But man, the joy of God is much more than happiness. It is situated right in there. It is there when everybody is crying and you are crying with them, but there's this joy inside of you which you can't explain. It's inexpressible. Have you experienced that in your life? You go through the most difficult thing in your life, but you've got this joy which you can't explain. The joy of the Lord. It is my strength. He says it right there. But let them all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Shout for joy. There's nothing that can contain inside of you that joy. It's got to come over. It's got to borrelate. That's a South African word. Which means it overflows. 
in bubbles. Have you seen bubbles when you take it? I love to drink uh, sparkling water. I love sparkling water. And when you shake the bottle and you open it up, what happens? The bubbles, they get activated on the inside and they push against the side that contained on the inside of that bottle. And what happens once you release it? It goes psh. Brother and sister, we need to have the joy of the Lord inside of us. But you know what? This body can't contain that joy. It needs to come out. The joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation. And we know this, that people who walk with the Lord experience that. Look how Peter says it. He says, now, though you see Him not, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him. Rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory. I talk to you today about the joy of salvation. Have you got it? Have you got the joy of salvation? You know what will happen? As I gave you that example of that bottle, once it presses up, it pushes into this, this face, this area here, and it brings the most beautiful smile on your face joy and peace. How wonderful is that? There's a, the word used here for rejoice is to properly jump for joy. Woo! Look at this. He says, you believe in Him and rejoice. The word there, the Greek word there is to literally jump for joy. Are you still jumping for joy in the Lord? Oh, I look around and I see how people jump for sports stars. Oh, he's hit a six and they won the game. Yay! You see a whole stadium jump up and down. But somebody got saved. What happened? Oh, you know, brother, that's good. I'm a child of God. I'm just going No, no, he says. He says it right there. He says, though we don't see him, that salvation that's inside of us. What happens? We is rejoicing. It's properly to jump for joy. In the Lord. This is what salvation do to us. The second word that he uses there is with joy. With joy. We jump with joy. This comes from the Greek word chara or charis. And it also means rejoice. It is a Greek noun which describes a feeling of inner gladness. There is gladness in my soul today. Praise the Lord. Didn't we sing that song? That's Charis. It's that inner gladness. That noun talks about it. It's a delight or a rejoicing. It is a joy that is feeling of the inner gladness. It delights and it rejoices. Joy is the New Testament. It's virtually always used to signify a feeling of happiness that is based on spiritual realities and independent of what one, what happens around you. I've just explained that to you. This is the meaning of that word. It's independent of what happens to you. It's still that happiness, that inner gladness that stays with you all the time. Joy is an inner gladness, a deep-seated pleasure. It is uh, it is a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. Have you seen people with a cheerful heart? There's not a lot of things that brings them down, is there? Oh, they struggle as well. They're also persecuted. 
Now he writes this to those people who are sitting in, in dire straits. They're sitting in difficult situations. And you can imagine yourself when the person stands up and he reads this to them. Peter, he says to them, though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you jump for joy. You jump for joy. For what? Because of this, this inner gladness that's within inside of you. And let me tell you, you will know if you have it or not. You will. How come am am I so sure about it? Because the Holy Spirit will confer with your spirit that you have it. This is not man-manufactured joy. This is a joy that comes from God alone. Now you say, where does this joy come from? Where does it come from? This joy... How can we explain this joy to the world? Oh, preacher, I'm going through a difficult time now with family. I know. I don't know the circumstances. I don't know everything, but I know. Oh, my finances is in difficult troubles now. I know. And he knows. Oh, the medical records that I got is not good. It's tough right now. I've heard bad news. I know. And he knows. But there's something else. You see, those are external things that influences your happiness. This comes from the inside. This is planted inside of you. And it sustains you through that desert times of your life. But in that family difficulty that you're sitting right now, you can still sit there with a peace which is inexpressible and full of glory. I'm not saying that you have to be a hypocrite and put up a mask, a smiling mask every time. <laughs> you know, when I see people like that, I always think they've got pain on their tummies. It's not smiling purple. No, no, you can see in people's eyes when they're going through difficult times. And you can see the effect on the outside, but the eyes are smiling. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you've seen people like that. That's the joy that is rooted right deep inside of people. That's the joy that comes from the Lord. And just to talk about it right now gives me so much joy in my heart. Sometimes this joy becomes so much in you, you can't, it overflows. You can cry your eyes out. It makes you soft like patty in God's hands. You know what patty is? That's a term everybody knows, patty. Let let me use it, clay. That's a better word. It's that deep inner. But where does this come from? Let me take you just to one place where it comes from. In Luke chapter 2 verse 9, we remember when the announcement of Jesus Christ was made to this world. The son was born. Now there's some shepherds out in a field and the angels appeared to them. In, in Luke chapter 2 verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God shone around them and they were filled with great fear, these men. Let me tell you, dear friend, let me tell you, just quickly, I'll throw it in here. When the glory of the Lord comes in here, don't think you're going to jump up and jump. When the glory of the Lord filled this place, you will tremble with great fear. You ain't seeing anything like that yet in your life. You ain't. And you, you're not going to see anything like that until you see Him face to face. 
These men were fearing what is going on, the glory of the Lord. I love it in this passage when he talks about the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. And, and, and what? And what? Good news and what? I've got it in red there. Come on, church. Shout it out. Somebody shout it loud. Great joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, I bring you good news. What is the good news? A son was going to be born to you. What is the great joy? You know what joy he uses there? He uses the word charis. You know what it means? It means to jump for joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Look at this, Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. This is now when uh, Mary was pregnant. And now the birth of Jesus was as follows, Matthew 1 18. After his, his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit, just as Gabriel pronounced to her, the angel. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, you see, he didn't express these things. He was only thinking about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take it for you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. What does that mean, church? It means for he will save his people from their sin. Salvation. You ask me, where does this joy come from? Where does this joy inexpressible and full of glory come from? I give to you this morning the word of the Lord. It is Jesus. And you know what is it through Jesus? Salvation, eternal life. Nothing else, nothing less. It's Him and Him alone. I talk about the joy of salvation. Listen, I talk about the joy of salvation. Have you heard what I said? Nothing else, not church, not this, not that, not feelings. It is the joy that He brought to them. Why? Because we were all born under that curse, the sin curse. It was heavy on us. It takes away your joy. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. You sit here this morning, you say, but hey, preacher, it's hard to be joyful right now. Then you need to do introspection. If salvation brings joy, what will take it away? What do you think? Sin. Oppression. Depression. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And what is that joy? Salvation, eternal life. The living hope, David, that you they hold on to. The inheritance kept in heaven for us. Guarded with the power of God. Think about that. These are the things that we need to remember and mull over and think and contemplate about. He says, you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. Isn't that great joy to hear that? That is the joy. That's why Glenn gets so excited up here that he has to ask afterwards, I apologize if I shouted you. 
But brother, if that's going to make it, shout louder. And if somebody's offended by shouting the gospel, then they need to go and quiet the whole of MCG when they shout for their sporting teams. Let us not be afraid to shout for joy. The joy of salvation. Now, you see, this is all such a joy. Let's ask King David this morning what he says about this. Look at Psalm 51. In fact, you need to read the whole psalm. This psalm happens right after he conducted in one of his worst sins against God. He saw Bathsheba, and you know, all know the story, and he took Bathsheba for himself. And he had a husband killed. He sent him to the front of the armies and got him killed. So the blood of Bathsheba's husband was on his hands. This man of God. You know the Bible says a man after God's own heart? That's what they say about David. The Bible says that. Not me. But this man who had the joy of the Lord. Who, who knows about his songs and when he plays his harp to, to settle King Saul with the joy of the Lord flowing from the inside out. Listen to this man. Here in Psalm 51.10 he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away from me your presence, me away from your presence, and do not take the Holy Spirit from me. Oh, brother and sister, we need to learn to listen what he says. You and I do not want to walk in this world without the Holy Spirit, believe you me. Restore to me there. Restore to me there. So he had that salvation, didn't he? He experienced that salvation. The jump for joy, the charis, the deep inner joy that the Lord gave him to be able to sleep at peace at night. To give him sleep. He, he experienced that. Now he shouts out to the Lord. He says, Restore please, O Lord, to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. I want to show you something here which is really interesting. You see when he uses the word create there? The Hebrew word for create there is the word bara. B-A-R-A-H. Some write it B-A-R-A. Without the H. Bara is the same word that we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created. Bara. God created. Who believes in evolution here? I don't. I believe God created this heaven and this earth. The word bara means to create something out of nothing. To call something into existence. That's what the word means. So when God in Genesis chapter 1, He said, let there be an earth, and there was an earth. Talk about the power. Let there be, and you can go right through the account in Genesis, but it started with the word bara, to call something out of nothing. Why in the world would a man like King David use the same word here? Let me tell you why. He says, Barah in me a clean heart. Because at that point in time within the heart of David, there was nothing, listen, nothing that the, the Lord could use 
to recreate his yard. Is that sinking in? There was nothing good in David just to fashion a new heart. He had to call into existence a new heart for David. I've got so many scripture verses, my mind goes running riot now when he says, I will give them a flesh heart because of their hardened hearts. Brother and sister, you and I need God to barah our hearts, to give, there is not, listen, listen, there is nothing inside of you that God can use to make you better. There is, I'm going to say it again because it's so true, there is nothing inside of John Shipman that God can use to make me better. Nothing. It is all filthy rags. You say, but you look so polished this morning, preacher. <laughs> Somebody said once to me, looks can be deceiving. That's humankind for you. But God looks into your inner side and he says, I need to fashion. I need to call into existence something that there wasn't before. And this is what he says to David here. Oh, David cries out. He says, Lord, barah, take this out and give me a new heart. Call it into existence. Now, there's two ingredients of this joy of salvation. Two ingredients here. First of all, for you to experience this joy of salvation, you need to have created in you a clean heart. You will not experience this joy, my brother and my sister, if you do not have a clean heart. Sin takes it away. Hence, he had to cry for joy. He says, restore that joy of salvation to me. Where does it start? It starts with a clean heart. How do you and I get a clean heart? We go to God. There's no books that's going to help you. I can't help you. No person can help you. Elder so-and-so written, written with a capital letter can't help you. Bishop so-and-so can't help you. Preacher so-and-so can't help you. You can pay all the money in the world. You have to go to him so that he can barah for you a new heart. Do you want to experience that joy this morning? Have you ever experienced? If not, I highly recommend you call upon his name. Call out to him. Say, Savior, before I leave this building today, please create in me a new heart. I can imagine David sitting there in his palace. He had everything in life. He had all the money in the world. He had so many wives. He had Bathsheba there. And he cries out, not for more wives, not for more money, not for more fame. What did he cry out for? The one thing that will restore the joy of salvation is a clean heart. That's what you and I need to clear, cry out for. Create in me a clean heart. This is what he says. In Jeremiah chapter 24, 7, he says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. Who will give that heart? God will give that heart. He says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. David cries out for this, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with what? With their half of their heart, a quarter of their heart, with their whole heart. You ask me this morning, you say, preacher, how do I get the joy of salvation? When you said those words, preacher, this morning, oh, I, I yearn for that like a David. I say to you this morning, you've got to come to the Lord, and you know what he's going to do? 
He's going to restore your whole heart. You say, but you don't know me and you don't know the things I used to do. Ask David. Ask David. He could have done one of two things when the prophet Nathan came to him and said, you that man. You the man, your heart's not clean. You know what he could have done? He could have become more hardened and say, nah, what do you, what do you, who do you think you are? I'm David the king. I'm, I'm, a man after, I'm, I'm, I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm a man after God's own heart. And become so hardened. No, no, but what happened? It happened what is written here. I will give them a heart to know. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. He says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that they will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So that what happens? You may live. So what restores joy? A clean heart. Have you got a clean heart this morning? Now listen to me. I'm not asking you whether you come and you are born again. Did David walk close to the Lord before he saw Bathsheba? Of course he did. So what happened when he did the sin? He broke fellowship with God. All of a sudden he went to bed and he couldn't sleep well anymore. Sleep was like that little bird that flown away, tossed, and turned on the bed looking at the ceiling at night. Can't shut down that brain. Can't shut down that brain. Can't shut down that brain. What's going to happen to me, Lord? What's going to happen to me, Lord? What's going to happen to me, Lord? He just can't stop. Oh, Lord, if I can just get sleep. Lord, if I'm not going to get sleep, I'm going to be tired in the morning. I can't get sleep. I can't get sleep. I can't get sleep. I can't forget what they did. I can't forget what they did. And so it mulls over and over and over. And what happens in the morning? You stand up and then there's these sacks under your eyes and you wonder where they come from. You know what brings you rest and peace? David will say this morning when he creates in you a clean heart. It's the first step of, of restoring the joy of salvation. What is the second one? He says, renew a steadfast spirit in me. A steadfast. You see that? He says, a steadfast spirit in me within me. What is a steadfast spirit? It is a spirit that stands on the word of God. It is a spirit that listens to the Holy Spirit. It is a spirit that when you say, yeah, I'm going to go 100%, 100% for it, you know, you know I'm going to go and it's sinning, you know, it's wrong. And, and there's this voice crying out to say, stop! You're going to get heard. That restores within you that steadfast spirit to stay the course and to listen. Now I know, I know there's some people who say, well, you know, that works. That's not. He says a steadfast spirit. Those are the two ingredients of joy. David cries this out. He says, I need this new heart. I need this steadfast spirit. And then what happens? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Joy and salvation are synonymous. They go together. You ask me, you say, how can you see when people are saved? Oh, how can you see that people have salvation? I just look at the joy. Now, I'm not talking about fake joy. I'm talking about the real joy, the inner joy. And this is where it is from. This is what he cries out to them. He says, rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory. And Luke chapter 15, we've got three parables that shows us this joy. Let me take you through them quickly. Luke chapter 15, 
The first one is the lost sheep. You remember the lost sheep? He says one man has got a hundred sheep, and what happened? How many of them got lost? One. And what did, what, did, what did the shepherd do? He left the 99 and he went and he looked for that one, isn't it? And what did he say? This is Jesus' own words. He was in amongst the tax collectors and the sinners. Jesus was sitting there. And the Pharisees were so mad at him sitting there with the sinners. What are you doing there with the sinners? Why, why, why do you sit there? Why don't you come to us who know the Scriptures, brother, sister? We sit with them. And he tells them the story about the sheep, the parable. And then he says to them, And when he comes home, once he found that sheep, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. Guess what word is used there for rejoice? Jump for joy. He wants them to come and jump for joy. Why do you jump for joy, Jesus? Why do you want these shepherds to jump for joy? He says, Rejoice for me. For I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So this joy of my salvation is good for us, isn't it? But it's also a rejoicing in heaven. I just also always wonder if this sheep could sing a song for us. What song do you think he would have sang? He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Do you think the sheep would have sang that song? I bet you he would have. Because what has that sheep got? He's got a, a song of joy in his heart. Why? Because the master found him. Once I was lost, but now I am found. And then there's the second one. He says there's this lady who had the coin. And when she walked into the house, the coin was dropped and he was, he was lost. And what did she do? She started looking around. Who's got a coin here? Has somebody got a coin? Somebody, uh, truly, somebody got a coin? I won't take it. There's something about a coin. Thank you, Janelle. Is that a $2? Yes. Did you know that coins can speak? Did you know? This coin says, I've got a name this morning in the church. He says, my name is, I've got the face of queen the Queen. Who's, who's the, what's the Queen's name? Queen Victoria, is it? Uh, I, I just tasted you, okay? This, this coin says, I belong to Queen Elizabeth. Why do I say that? Because it's got Queen Elizabeth's face on it. The, queen, the, the coin can speak. He says, I've got an identity. I belong to somebody. Isn't it right? What does it say? It also says that there's a two on it. Why do you think the two stands for? It's his value. I'm worth two dollars. This coin is worth two dollars. And what is going to happen with this two dollars? Forever, whether inflation goes up or down, it's going to stay, what? Two dollars. Can you see a coin can speak? And now, one day this coin you could speak to this lady was valuable to her, 
It might not have been Queen Elizabeth. It might have been the Caesar got lost. And it was so valuable because it keeps its value. And she starts looking for the coin and looking for the coin. And then she found the coin and see her reaction. Jesus said in Luke 59, he says, and when she has found it, by the way, brother, I'll give you a coin back. He says, when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. Guess what word is used there? Come on, you know it by now. Jump for joy with me. Be glad with me. For I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Have you seen? This talks about heaven. He says, he was rejoiced likewise in heaven. Here he talks about the angels. The angels rejoice about this. Now I wonder if this coin could sing a song. What song do you think he would sing? He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. I like that song as well. I was lost once, but now I'm found. But do you think this coin would have sang that song? Let's ask the coin. Coin, would you have sang that song? You know what the coin's telling me? He says he's got a Aborigine uh, uh, background as well because there's a sign of Aborigine in there. <laughs> Friends, the joy of salvation. And then the last story or the parable he tells them is about a son who was with him, with the father. And then he came to the father and he says, I want my inheritance. You know the story of the prodigal son. And he went to a far country and he spent it all on wasteful living. He was sitting with the pigs. And the Bible said before he started eating, some say he started eating pig food. He didn't. He says before he did that, my father's servants are better off than me. Maybe I should go back to my father. And you know what the Bible says? When the father saw him on a distance, already on a distance, he tells me the father was looking out for him. Every single day he was looking out for him. And he was so glad. What did he do? He called his servants together. He says, put shoes on his feet. Put a ring on his, on his finger. Put clothes on him. And go and, and get the calf and, and you know, kill a calf. We're going to be merry. We, we're going to be happy. We're going to jump for joy. In Luke 15, 24, For this is my son who was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to be merry. I wonder this morning... Before we close, if this son had to sing one song, what do you think he would have sang? He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. He brought me out of the miry... I just enjoy singing today. Isn't it wonderful, the joy of salvation, what it brings? In 1 Thessalonians, or in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul writes the same. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Guess what word he uses there? Come on, you know it by now. Jump for joy. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And what will happen? What will happen if all of these things do? And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, which surpass all understanding, will guide your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. You want to sleep well at night? Do this. Ask the Lord for a clean heart and a steadfast spirit and the restoration of the joy of salvation. Listen, some of you might never have experienced the joy of salvation. I don't know. If not, I say cry out to Him day and night until you get it. Day and night. Be like David. Don't let it go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16. He says, rejoice always. Guess what words used for rejoice there? Jump for joy. Always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If somebody can call my beautiful wife to come and play for us. I want to ask you a question this morning as I conclude. Have you got the joy of salvation? I can't answer that for you. I can't do anything about it. Have you got the joy of salvation? See, these people were sitting there in Pontus, Galatia. They're sitting there in difficult times. They can't work. They don't have food. They don't have family. They don't have friends. It's negative around them. I don't know how the weather even played out. It could have been, you know, cold. It could have been rainy. It could have been all of it. I don't even know how the clothes were. I don't even know if they knew they're going to have breakfast tomorrow morning. It's so easy for us. You know, we just turn up and we go, oh, you know, I'm in the mood today for Rice Krispies and milk. You know, let's have Rice Krispies. Tomorrow morning I'm in the mood for eggs and bacon and eggs. You know, let's do this. And the next morning, oh, you know, let's do... They didn't have it. But they had the joy. And he writes about this joy of, of salvation to them. I ask you, again, before we conclude, I want to pray. Have you got the joy of salvation? And how do you get this joy? You ask for a clean heart. And you ask God to renew a steadfast spirit in you. He said it right there in that previous verse. He gives you sleep and peace. Peace is like a dove sometimes. The closer you get to it, it flies away. You try to catch it and it, and it goes so fast. You run after it. You, you tie yourself out. You, you do everything you want to do to catch that. It's, it's you know, in your reach. And then you get this new thing happening or you get a pay increase or you or, you know, somebody smiles at you, you feel lonely, you're isolated. Somebody smiles at you, that, that bumps you up a little bit. And then it goes down again. Brother and sister, I present to you this morning, I present to you the Holy Spirit who will come and He will install inside of your heart something 
which is everlasting. It, you know, it, it's like that ad goes, ever, you know, ever-ready batteries, you know, just keep on going. But this is, this is not so funny. This is, he will be there for you and he will continue on. And at night time, when you put your head on that pillow, you know what's going to happen. You call out to him and he'll stop those voices mulling around in your head about your problems and he will give you sleep. He'll put you at rest. The joy of salvation. Have you ever thought that joy of salvation is so valuable? Have you? And let me tell you something. You only understand something's worth once you've lost it. David. David. You are that man, David. You sinned against God. It shook his whole life. Forget the past. Forget what happened. But, Lord, create Barah. Barah in me a clean heart and a steadfast But I want to pray for you this morning. If you are sitting here this morning, you go, Lord, you spoke to me this morning. I'm not going to do an altar call to get you to stand up. I'm just going to pray. And this is one I'm, I'm going to ask the Lord for His Holy Spirit to bring that joy into your life. You've searched over mountains through valleys for that joy. It is so easy to find. Call upon His name. Let's all stand as I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for the joy of salvation. Joy inexpressible and full of glory. Hallelujah. Joy that surpasses all understanding. The joy of the Lord, which is my strength. And Father, I just pray for people, because I know your Holy Spirit worked in this sermon today. I just pray, Lord, that as you touch the hearts this morning, that you will work it to the completion. In this afternoon, in the aftermath, Father,